Welcome to Building Charleston, a podcast where we shine a bright light on the dynamic companies changing the landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Matt Chapdelaine, and as your host each week, I'll be bringing you the most interesting business owners in the Lowcountry. We'll explore how they got to where they are, what they're working on, and what their vision is for the future of Charleston. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused exclusively on representing Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, downsizing, looking to open a new location, or opening the first office in the Charleston area, give us a call at 843-508-3038 or go to our website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Building Charleston podcast, the podcast where we take a moment each week to meet the leaders changing the landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Matt Chapdelaine. I am the host of Building Charleston and the broker in charge at Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate company representing Charleston's office, industrial, and retail tenants with their commercial leases. We're recording this podcast on June 28, 2019, and we're recording from the home office of Beacon Bank, the newest bank in the Low Country. The name of the theme of Building Charleston is pretty straightforward. It's Building Charleston, and the goal is to highlight companies that are building Charleston in a lot of different ways. Today's guests bring the Building Charleston concept to life on multiple levels. First, they're a young company who in their own way is changing the landscape here and charging forward with their own story. As a bank, they focus entirely on Charleston area companies. But their product, which is cash, is also the fuel that allows other companies to build their story. So in a lot of ways, what they're building is actually helping everybody else build at the same time. On behalf of Beacon Bank today, I have Jonathan Peavy and Jason Roshan from Beacon Bank. Gentlemen, welcome to the Building Charleston podcast. Wow. Thank you for having us, Matt. Matt, that was quite the introduction. You want a job? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I work hard at this. I only bring my A game for my top guys here. So getting started for the listeners who are either not familiar with you or from outside of the Charleston area, what is Beacon Bank? Sure. So thank you for having us, Matt. Beacon Community Bank is one of the first local community banks in roughly about 10 years. The idea was formed roughly about two years ago, and we opened about a year and a half ago. And the idea was formed by our chairman, Tommy Baker. Okay. And he had been in the area for quite a long time and seen a lot of community banks be bought up by larger competitors. And he wanted to have a bank that was here in the Charleston area, local, and committed to growing the area. And so what he did was he worked with some people that he had contacts with, some bank CEOs, some CFOs, and we got about roughly 300 or so shareholders together that are mostly local. So they're individuals who are here in the community that decided that they believe in this vision of having something local to help local real estate investors, local small businesses, and just people who are every day in our community and make sure that there is something that can serve them in a unique and meaningful way. And so that's really where Beacon kind of came from. So it's Charleston-based and Charleston-owned. So it sounds like the primary owner structure, not to get all like technical or whatnot, sure. it's, a, it's a local company for local people. 
by local people. With local decision making, which is right. good, right? Yeah, and, you know, absolutely. in my part, I'll just tell a you know story on, on my personal note. I had a client with a challenge. I thought this was something that was very unique to the Charleston story, the Charleston theme, and I was able to drive down to uh, Beacon Bank in about five minutes, get a meeting with you guys, and run it past you, which is you know really one of my first uh, introductions to you guys, sure. and that helps because this is a story that you know maybe a larger bank they might not have checked all the boxes and would have been sure. dismissed out of hand, but mm-hmm. you guys took a really good look at it. Still in progress. So that local nature is really, it's it's very important to the story. So what makes Beacon different? It's obviously local. What else makes you different from an operations standpoint or from a different bank? You know, you just hit a key word there, Matt. You said you were willing to listen to my story, right? So Jason and I, we both come from big bank backgrounds. And quite frankly, it's an algorithm. That's what I was kind of used to Mm -hmm. uh, working for, for a larger company. And even though they would say, I want to hear the story behind the numbers. That's what we do here. I mean, that day you came and saw me. I mean, it was very short notice, but we don't mind that at all. We want to have people in here that we want to be able to help small business. We're a small business yep. as well. So we want to grow the companies. And so we're I'm not saying that every deal is going to go through, but, sure. but the chance of it and, and just being able to listen to the story behind the numbers, why are your numbers looking flat here and so forth? That's important. So that's one way we're different. The other way we're different, I'd say, is every time you've been here, Matt, what happened when you walked into the stores? Were you greeted? Absolutely. Were you offered something to drink? Absolutely. Yes. And did you have to wait very long to see or even to speak with someone? Almost immediate access to you. And then the last thing I say, today is Friday, right? So one thing you'll notice if you walk into any bank, there's a line out the door. No line here. And that's what we take pride in. We take pride in our concierge service. We take pride in just getting to know our clients. We're the cheers of banking, right? So not to get too corny here, but we're the bank where everyone comes and they're going to know your name. They're going to be glad you came and how else yeah. the rest of that song goes. Yep, yep. <laughs> we're not drinking our beers yet. But, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> minus <laughs> alcohol. <yeah. laughs> We've got to pace ourselves. It's still in the morning. We, we'll work on that. So I did notice that and I, every time I've been here, you know, warmly greeted. I've primarily come to this location, which is uh, in Mount Pleasant. Where else is, is Beacon Bank located? Sure. Mount Pleasant, East Bay uh, Street. But I think what's more important, and, and I'm sorry, Mount Pleasant, we're located right across the street from the Center Bar, the, the new Starbucks here as mm-hmm. well, right next door to Jimmy John's. Throwing some plugs there, I guess. <laughs> but we're also, our founding office, our founding branch is on East Bay Street. Some people want to know it's the old train depot. Uh, we're right across the street from the post office or Charleston Beer Garden. So that's our founding office. And then most importantly, some of you may have noticed a sign right across. I was, yeah. was, was going to get to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Forever in Boone Hall. Yeah. So that's going to be our operating center. Okay. That's our headquarters. So I'm curious. I drive up and down 17. I see the sign. When's kind of the expected opening date or groundbreaking for that facility? Sure. So that facility is a larger facility, a larger project, significant size in terms of square footage and its resources and obviously mm-hmm. building. So it's going to take a little bit of time. We're looking at roughly about a two-year time frame before that's going to be built out. Okay. Um, and that is going to house, hopefully, our operations. It's going to house all of our corporate offices, and it's going to be a functional branch. So, you know, what was once considered the outskirts of Mount Pleasant is now going to be essentially the center of Mount Pleasant. We think it's going to provide a lot of opportunity for people to come and see what we can do for them. About 25% of our South Carolina listeners are in and around the, the Mount Pleasant area. So I'm going to dig a little bit on the weeds there. Sure. Where's the bank going to be located? There's a bunch of trees there. Is, are those being kind of taken down or is it more set towards the back? 
Yeah, so it's going to be, out. we don't have all the specific plants. We're still in the process of all that. Okay. But we have about roughly just shot two acres out there. Okay. And they are working on plants to kind of create an advanced state-of-the-art, energy-efficient, you know, green Very building cool. that's going to house, again, our, all of our corporate offices, our operations, our branch. And then we're going to do some stuff for the community as well. So there's going to be some great things coming out. We're still working on the finalized plans. We just closed on that building not too long ago. So you'll notice the sign. I mean, it's, it's yeah, big, no, I big. drive better every day. And you know, mm-hmm. well, I try to keep my eyes on the road, but I also try to you know envision <laughs> you know what's this thing going to look like. So yeah. I look forward to seeing you know more on that. So your bank, obviously, you know, a bank takes in deposits and then puts it to work in terms of loans. I want to kind of talk a little bit about both of those. Where does Beacon Bank typically uh, you know place their loans? Is it uh, construction loans? Is it mortgage loans? Is it kind of consumer financing? Where does Beacon t- typically lend? So where Beacon lends is really where, where the demand is. We're here for the community. And so we want to make sure we provide those resources. We have auto, a consumer lending, everything from auto loans, home equity, personal loans. We have that capability of doing that. But we also really do and really thrive on our ability to lend to small businesses. That's where we feel our specialty is, is that we understand the local market. And as John had referenced earlier, we're not just looking at an algorithm. We don't put this in a black box and let a number come be spit out and say, approved decline. We actually understand the market. Our lenders have many decades and decades of experience in this market. And so we're able to sit there and assess realistically, is this a good quality loan for us? And so we do small business loans. We do stuff with builders, developers, small commercial developers, small residential developers. I mean, we're not looking for this mega things because we're a community mm-hmm. bank. Sure. We are able to really help a broad swath of customer base. So there's nothing that we specifically say per se target, but there's things we're really good at, but we're here to serve the community. And I guess on the flip side, in terms of deposits, obviously, you know, a young bank looking to get deposits, what kind of customers would come in here? Is it, um, you know, just a individual with a few thousand bucks? Is it, you know, big companies? What's your typical client look like? And why would they come here to support Beacon Bank? It's more what's not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so we welcome all, all consumers and commercial clients, no matter the size. Obviously, the more deposit dollars we have, sets forth our lending rates, it sets forth whether we can do some loans and so forth. And I want to speak on that because, and you touched on this during your introduction. So when we receive deposits, right, unlike a big bank where they might have locations in California, even offshore, you have no idea where that money is going, where your deposit dollars mm-hmm. as a consumer or the business, where that money is going. So because all banks take those deposit dollars and, and use it for their operations and so forth. So, you can rest assured that every single cent is used in the Charleston community. Now, notice I didn't say Columbia, Greenville. I said Charleston metro community, which is where we live, where we eat and breathe. And I think that speaks volumes as far as what I'm looking for in a bank. Because the word community is very, very important to us. Because there are tons of banks out there. So it's fair to say if I'm putting my money in Beacon Bank, I'm putting it right back into the Charleston That's absolutely 100% correct. That's awesome. Well, you know, you talked a little bit about algorithms, so I feel like it's a natural you know, transition into technology talk. Sure. One of the things that uh, I think it would be a, a fair concern if I was you know, looking at a new bank is, uh, hey, what kind of technology do they have? Is that also new, right? Is it going to be glitchy or whatever? And sure. I think that's one of the more you know, compelling parts of your story is that you're you know, young bank, small bank, but not when it comes to technology. Tell us a little bit about uh, the technology that you guys have for the firm. So, um, you know, Matt, I always had the same concern. Initially, before I came to Beacon, it's community bank. Do they have any technology? Am I going to go back to the Stone Age of banking? And that's unequivocally false. 
we have made a decision as a bank and as a company to make sure that we are able to provide the technology that people need. So just to give you some of the things that people use every day that we have to make it easy to do their banking is we have mobile deposits. We have an app, iPhone, Android. Download the app. You can take pictures of your deposits. We send app alerts that can show up in your dashboard when you get a deposit. You get a withdrawal of a certain amount. You get a certain balance alert. If your balance falls below a specific balance that you're uncomfortable with, you get the alert. And so we have the technology there to serve our standard consumers. Additionally, from a business side, we have everything that businesses need, everything from sweep accounts to lockbox to the ability to do remote deposit capture both on phones, mm-hmm. and we have the machines. So we have the same product suite that you would get at any standard size bank. We're just small and local. And so we're able to provide that technology. But if for some reason, the beautiful thing about a community bank is that technology doesn't work. You don't have to call 1-800. Yeah. You call 843, sure. and you're going to reach one of us. And we're going to walk you through. A human, very cool. <laughs> we're going to walk you through and get that technology issue fixed. Because that happens at any, in any kind of technology. Sure. And so I think that what makes the differentiating factor is you can get that technology at any other place. But you get it here and you get that in-person support. And just to even put it a little further, our deposit operations center in our back office is located right off of Bowman Road. So rather than being offshore in the Philippines or yep. being, you know, somewhere in the Midwest, it's, it's like right here. It's literally right off of them. Very so that's cool. the difference maker for us. Very cool. You kind of hinted a little bit about before you came over to Beacon Bank, uh, you know, how did you guys get to Beacon Bank? Tell me a little bit about how you got to Charleston and how you got to Beacon Bank. I'll, I'll tell you how I got to Charleston. I came here vacationing as a kid. So my father is a civil grad and somehow he taught me into Become a civil grad as well. <laughs> uh, so four years of misery? Ah, sure. Why not? <laughs> By the beach. Yeah. Co-ed school nearby. So. But that's how I came to Charleston. Uh, it was originally through the Citadel. And then what brought me to Beacon really was this guy right here. sitting next to me. He's the head honcho on, on the retail side. And he thought I'd make a good fit. And I was apprehensive at first because I didn't know. I didn't know anything about community banking. I always come from a larger bank background. And, but what made the decision for me was that word community. Being able to have instant access to my clients or really vice versa. The clients having access to me. Mm-hmm. Not having to call through a recorded line. Not having the set of send them to a 1-800 number. If I didn't know the answer of a question, I could simply just call my teams. Like, hey guys, I don't know the answer to this question. Please help me out. Boom. And they're on it. And all, again, local. I got tired of feeling like a number. This is a true team environment. Like, it's hard for me to call Jason my boss. Even. We just, you know, shoot the gab all the time. Yep. Walk down the hall. Did I just say the word gab? Please, please, please strike that. <laughs> it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. I want a year's worth of, uh, yeah. of sponsorships. What, uh, Jason, is your story a similar story? or? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I you know worked in banking for roughly you know, 20 years. And, and I came down here from the Charlotte area. During the financial crisis, um, the opportunities in Charlotte were a little bit challenged at the time. And I had the opportunity, I had visited Charleston before, and I was given the opportunity of Charleston and another unnamed city in South Carolina <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that didn't quite have the beauty, the opportunity, and the location that Charleston did. And so it wasn't much of a choice. Charleston was my spot. Yep. And I chose that and moved down here in 2009. And I worked primarily for uh, Wells Fargo. And I've worked there, or it was roughly 10 years. And what made the difference for me was I had worked at a community bank actually in my banking career at some point in time, but was the, there was two big difference makers. One, the technology. When I had previously worked at a community bank, they did not have the technology. It felt, you really felt impacted. You know. And you knew 
that you were challenged in that aspect. But when I sat with a team here and I talked through the technology, I knew that that wasn't going to be an inhibitor to us growing our company and a great organization. The second thing I learned was really learning about the fact that speaking with Brooks Melton, our CEO, and hearing from him the beacon story, which is now our story, mine included, on how we're going to form something great, and then seeing the opportunity to look at the board members. The board members are all successful, very successful business owners. You know, everything from religious organizations, we have pastors, we have people in technology, we have people in consulting, people in marketing. And these were all great business owners and local residents who were committed to the success of this company. So when I saw the board, when I had those conversations with our CEO and his vision and seeing that and then seeing the technology backing it, it was a no brainer for me. That was the one opportunity that I had to really commit to our community and shape something meaningful for a lifetime. I want to ask a series of questions on. Charleston business, you know, the really building Charleston theme. As you see it, you see a lot of different industries. You have your pulse on kind of the business climate of, of the Charleston area. What's the best position industry in the low country moving forward? Is it manufacturing? Is it home building? What's kind of your take on the, the businesses that are best suited moving forward? Sure. So, you know, obviously we're in a high growth area. So a lot of businesses are really suited well for growing in the Charleston area. Some things that, you know, if you had asked me, you know, when I moved here 10 years ago that I didn't see really taking off like they have. Mm-hmm. So some industries that we're really seeing is obviously high-tech manufacturing. That's an industry that, you know, the city has and the metro area has really targeted yep. and really seen to have an opportunity to really success with. Has that really been the echo boom of like Boeing and Volvo? Absolutely. You've named yeah. it. So Boeing, that creates an echo boom with, it's not just Boeing, it's the auxiliary businesses that are with it. And that brings in additional capacity to take in uh, Mercedes-Benz, which then creates another echo boom, which brings in the capacity to bring in a Volvo. And then there's different companies start coming in and seeing Charleston as an opportunity. So the high-tech manufacturing, technology period of Charleston is now growing and it's uh, it's becoming a little mini in the South, Yep, a little mini Silicon. We are seeing opportunities with startup that we would have never thought about 10 years ago with us. Well, that's a great lead. And what, are there any industries or lines of work in the Charleston area that have surprised you or popped up over the last, you know, couple of years that you thought, boy, I never thought I'd see this in Charleston. One thing I'd say is, I mean, it might not seem surprising, but, but for me, it was short-term rentals. You know, you think about the volume of uh, visitors we get year after year, season by season, and that number is always <laughs> increasing. Mm-hmm. And so there's even been legislation recently about, you know, the Airbnb, VRBO, and when you get that involved, you know, short-term rentals are growing very rapidly and to the point where it's become an industry. Mm-hmm. And so in the Charleston market, not just downtown Mount Pleasant, you know, uh, when you think of where, where rentals might be, I'm talking all the way inland to Somerville. So Considering the entire Charleston metro area, you're seeing more and more. Are there any industries, in your opinion, that have become overheated in the area? I'll be the bad guy. I've talked to other people. I hear, uh, you know, please no more self-storage. Uh, please no more hotels. So, you know, I'll be the bad guy there. Is there. Do you concur with that? Is there anything you'd want to add or, or say, hey, listen? So, as you know, as bankers, we see, you know, that there are a lot of, obviously, hotels. There are a lot of self-storage. And they all serve a different purpose. And they're all done for different reasons. So, the hotels, obviously, they're serving the opportunity that we have from a tourism standpoint. Self-storage, as we continue to grow as a community, those are great opportunities for businesses to capitalize on that and also you know, maintain valuable land in the area while they service the community. So those kind of serve different points of view. You know, are they overheated? You know, it's a matter of opinion. We see opportunity with them, but 
even more so with different industries, kind of like I mentioned before, we see yep. even greater opportunity with those. Uh, Good job staying out of the corner wall <laughs> and answering the question at the same time. I like it. So as we kind of get close to you know, wrapping up here, I just want to ask a, you know, a fun question. You guys have been banking for a long time. What's the wildest request you've ever had uh, that somebody came in and said, hey, could you lend on this? Or could you bank on this? Yeah, so not here, but I don't know how wild this would be to, to people. Quite, quite frankly, but to us as bankers, and I think any bankers listening to this would would agree, someone coming in asking to pull cash out of an account without any type of ID is pretty wild to me. Yeah, I mean, let's be frank. We're requesting to pull it out of their parents' account, or it takes uh, guts. Yeah, it takes a lot of guts or ignorance. <laughs> well, you look at our day and age, right? The time we're in, where privacy and security matters. You hear about breaches and so forth. These are things we don't want to have to do, but but um, they're necessary components. Right, right. So essentially, things like that, being able to do things without signatures. I mean, what day and age are we living in? Sure. You know? So, uh, yes, I get the handshake and I get, you know, it's one thing when we know you and so forth. But but these things are, are needed because we, banks have responsibilities and a lot of cash. Responsibilities and a lot of cash and a lot of, a lot of risk. Yeah. And we have to report these things. And yeah. speaking of, one thing I did want to mention is that we are FDIC insured. Okay. And one thing that scares a lot of banks is the annual audit. And in our first year, because we haven't been open that long, we scored excellent. That's something I think is important uh, for, for the listeners out there to know. It's a secure so, bank. Yeah, like, extremely right. secure. I like that. All right, guys. As I kind of you know, hinted in the beginning, uh, you're building your own story, but your product of cash also you know, is going to have a large impact on what gets done in the Charleston area you know, sure. moving forward. I, this is a question I ask of, of all the podcast guests as they come on. What is your vision for Charleston over the next five, 10 years? The bets are not bets. The, you know, the money that you'll be deploying is going to have a huge impact on that probably more than most. I'd be curious to get to hear your thoughts. As a bank, we don't have any kind of preferred vision or, or um, strategy that we have. What we really want to do for Charleston is make sure that we are here to help grow it in a really meaningful way. So if it's somebody who's local, has a vision and sees something that could be a value add to the community, to Charleston, and something that's going to be successful, we want to be part of that. And that's something that I think that separates us from a big bank where we have the algorithm. If it's these boxes, good. Or nope. Yep. With it. And I think that's really where it is. So I couldn't give you a vision with specific industries and what it looks like in five, 10 years, but we see Charleston continue to grow and we see us being here as a player who's able to help finance projects that are going to be meaningful and a value add to, to the community. Excellent. I mean, just like any economy, small business is key. So I guess our vision, quite frankly, would be to support the small businesses because that's the only way we're going to economically going to grow and, and or maintain or grow. So I think being the preferred bank for these small businesses, because quite frankly, what's a small business? It's, it's another child. It wouldn't exist without that owner mm-hmm. having created it. Yep. And so, you know, people say it's business, not personal. It is personal. Business ownership is very personal and we get that. So excellent. That's it. Excellent. Guys, thank you a ton for being on the show. We actually have a a new sponsor for the show. It is Pop Popcorn. It's a Charleston-based company, and they're making some really good popcorn. I just started having it, eating it about uh, two weeks ago. I'm on a bag, bag and a half, you know, kick at this point every single week. I was at Boone Hall last week, grabbed a bag. It was delicious. And like I said, now I've been hooked. They've agreed to be a sponsor to the show. So all the guests on the show are getting a free bag. So gentlemen, I have a bag here for you. If you're listening to this and you want to buy the popcorn, you can get it at Boone Hall Market. 
but they are growing. So if you're a retailer who's in the Charleston area and you want to add it to your store, you can definitely reach out to Carmen. Her email is 123popped at gmail.com. I'm going to put all of her contact information in the show notes below. So if you want to support the show, definitely listen and subscribe. But also if you want to support the show, go get some pop popcorn at Boone Hall Market. So at this point, I typically wrap up with a Building Charleston tip, uh, pro tip. This week, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to give a Building Charleston report. I've been doing this podcast now for about 100 days, and I just wanted to you know, let everybody know kind of where the, the show stands. We have subscribers in over 12 countries at this point. We have subscribers in almost every single state in the United States. And what's really interesting is almost half of our listeners, about 45% of our listeners, are listening to the, the podcast from outside of the state of South Carolina, which just kind of goes to show, you know, it's probably not a surprise, but it sheds a really big light on the fact that Charleston has a big light on it from a lot of people who are not living here. And it attests to the fact that, you know, so many people are moving here. So Charleston or South Carolina is definitely our biggest, you know, listening metric with North Carolina and uh, Georgia being right behind us. Our listener base continues to grow about 20% every single week. Uh, we're now at about 300 downloads every single week. And I think what I'm most proud of is I bring guests on the show, you know, to make a compelling story, to share a story, share the story of Charleston. But I do track, you know, the, the guests who come on and I've tracked about $20,000 in new business from people listening to this podcast who are then going out and putting some deposits at Beacon Bank or getting some financial planning from Hollowfield Financial or getting some insurance for Blueprint. So that's, that's kind of cool. It's not bad for, you know, for just a hundred days. I want to kind of start out as a little bit of a project. So, you know, with that said, if you like this episode and you want to hear more, please like the podcast and subscribe. Building Charleston publishes every single week and we have more interviews on deck if you have a unique story that you think the world needs to to hear about or if you want to be a sponsor for an upcoming show let me know my contact information is in the show notes of this podcast finally if you're a business in the low country and you're looking to expand or relocate your business or if you're listening to us from outside the charleston area and you're considering moving your business to the low country give me a call my phone number is 843-508-3038 Or you can email me. Again, all my contact information will be in the show notes. I'm happy to show you what it takes to grow your business here in Charleston, South Carolina. With that, one last time, thank you, Jason. Thank you, John. Thank Thank you, Matt. Go out there, everybody, and make it a great day. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused exclusively on representing Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, downsizing, looking to open a new location, or opening the first office in the Charleston area, give us a call at 843-508-3038 or go to our website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com.